another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and joining me is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, you can find on Twitter at Horizon. Matt, you can find us on the web at HorizonRoundtable.com. You can find links to all of our social sites and where you can find us, where podcasts are available, at HorizonRoundtable.com slash subscribe. Become a patron, Patreon.com slash HorizonRoundtable. Easiest dollar a month you could spend, best dollar a month you could spend, games previews, we do that every week, exclusive early access to, to anybody who signs up for Patreon, so sign up for that, best dollar a month you ever spent. So, um, Matt, uh, it seems like we've slacked off the last year as well as part of this year, because we've always had our next guest on as part of the Horizon League games being broadcast on ESPN channels. So... It's high time we've made up for that mistake. Joining us once again is the play-by-play guy for those broadcasts, Jordan Burnfield. Jordan, thank you for coming on again, and is there any way you can forgive us? <laughs> I, I forgive you. It's my pleasure. Glad to be on. So, so far the games have been pretty fun. Um, well, I mean, fun as in, I don't know what Cleveland State was doing against Wright State, but the, the, the Wright State-Youngstown State game was pretty fun. Um, and we are recording this on the Sunday before the next broadcast, which is Northern Kentucky and Purdue Fort Wayne, which would have been awesome had Purdue Fort Wayne not somehow lost five games in a row. Well, you know, I think that what Purdue Fort Wayne has done, guys, you know, yeah. their record at 13 and seven, they've obviously, I think, exceeded some expectations. You know, John Kaufman, I think, is a great coach, and and he told us at uh, the Horizon League Media Day, and I guess it was September, that he really believed in this young group that he's got. And the fact that they are where they are, I think, probably is a little better than a lot of us thought, just because of all the seniors they lost and not knowing how this new group would mesh together. Yeah, I mean, having lost five straight, obviously that, that isn't the greatest thing going into the game on Thursday, but I do think that they've played a lot better than expectation. And sure. Northern Kentucky, I mean, you guys know. I mean, you've, you've followed this league a long time. And Darren's done a great job. And he's just continued this sort of machine that they've got going there. And you, I, I thought with Sam Vincent out that Northern Kentucky might take a, a significant step back. And that's not to say anything, you know, disparaging about the guys they have. They have a really talented team. I just think that Vinson is such a key to what they do, you know, to go with Warwick and Wells and, you know, all the guys that they've got out there. So I I am continually impressed by what Northern Kentucky is accomplishing. And I think that it's going to be interesting to see this game on Thursday in the sense that, you know, if Northern Kentucky keeps winning, they might still win this conference anyway without maybe their second best player. So it just speaks to uh, what what Darren has been able to continue at Northern Kentucky, the types of kids that they're getting in there, and the culture that they built because they are just a really impressive program. So, Jordan, let me ask you this: uh, with with Purdue Fort Wayne, let's backtrack just a, just a hair. Um, which do you think is the real Purdue Fort Wayne right now? Like, I mean, we've seen them absolutely destroy Oakland at the arena. But now Oakland's at yeah. the top of the, the of the standings. But we've also seen, you know, that this this losing streak from Purdue Fort Wayne. Is it growing pains? Like, is the answer in the middle? Like, what, what which do you think is the real Purdue Fort Wayne right now? Yeah, Matt, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle, right? Because it's hard to say 
that they're, you know, they're they're not as bad as the five game losing streak. They probably peaked a little bit in the non-conference, but that's not to say that they aren't a really good team. Um, you know, I think what Bello has been able to do, his story is incredibly compelling. Um, and I think that John has been able to find guards, uh, sometimes undersized guards, uh, from all places to come in and run his system and flourish. I think that because of the unknown with this team, like I said before, it was kind of hard to know what they're going to be. So I think that the more we see with them, the more data points we have to kind of know what they are. I thought going into the year that it might be an uphill battle for Purdue Fort Wayne, but you know, they're still second in the league in offense only behind Wright state and they're fourth in the league in scoring defense. So I think that the overall would suggest that if they can get out of this rut, that they might still be a team that can finish near the top of the league. But obviously when you start losing and you start stacking losses in conference play, it's it's a it's a challenge. The one thing I would say, and you guys know this, and we've joked about this on the podcast in previous years, as long as you're in that tournament, you've got a shot. Whether you're because one, Horizon's going to Horizon, yeah, Horizon's going to Horizon. You're the one so one seed or the eleven seed. So obviously, Purdue Fort Wayne's going to want to you know turn things around, and maybe they can on Thursday uh, at Northern Kentucky, but. You know, I think that they've shown enough this year for me to believe that they're a pretty talented team. Uh, it's just that things have been rough for them of late. So looking over on the other side uh, of this matchup with Northern Kentucky, you mentioned the loss of Sam Vinson. Um, obviously, that is a major blow, would be a major blow to any any team. But it seems to me that Darren Horn has taken that as, Probably a challenge to meet because, and, and so has the rest of his team, because it looks like, uh, at least to me, that with the absence of Vincent, he has started using a lot more of his bench because we're seeing a lot more of the freshmen, um, Israel and Pettis, who we didn't see a lot of before the Sam Vincent in- injury. And you're also seeing Michael Bradley, uh, who was originally the first guy off the bench coming off starting as a point guard, who has, near as I can tell, done from a an assist-to-turnover ratio standpoint, ha- been phenomenal. Yeah. When you look at that, when you look at that, the the kind of the changing dynamic, is it is it a testament kind of to what Darren Horn has been able to do to make those adjustments and find those pieces that he may not have been needed, not necessarily needed, um, had Sam Vincent been been not injured? Yeah, well, that's what the mark of a good program is when you can sustain a major injury and not fall off the table. And, you know, I, I, as you guys know, I'm a baseball dork and I always joke with friends of mine, you know, there's no one they can call up from the minor leagues, right? Once you lose a guy, especially in college basketball, because the rosters are small anyway, and that's it, right? You can't, there's no one to bring up. There's no reinforcement you can get from elsewhere. You have to just rely on the guys you have. And I think that obviously they would never want Sam Vincent to get hurt. We no. start there. But the fact that he is, and the fact that these other guys are stepping up, if they're able to keep this team together for another year or two, it's going to bode well for them 
down the road. You know, you're developing guys off your bench that are now fulfilling key roles. And as those guys continue to flourish and continue to help them out, it is it only stands to benefit the program. And like I said, I think that it it speaks to the culture that he has built there because these are still college students, right? And so mm-hmm. sometimes when you go into a season and you have a role or you think you know what your role is and then a major part of the team gets hurt and your role completely changes, that can be really hard. And I have been in enough coach meetings over the years with countless coaches who talk about the challenge that is presented when injuries occur because as much as coaches want to keep guys focused and and may be able to say the right things or prepare the team, ultimately, it's whether the kids can respond. And the fact that these guys have responded in this way, you mentioned Michael Bradley. I mean, fourth on the team in scoring is their leading assist guy, has been, you know, a tremendous, uh, you know, guy to, to run their offense. Uh, you mentioned Israel, who's done a great job for them as well, coming off the bench and giving them key minutes. And, you know, I just think that there's more depth on this team than maybe we all expected. Maybe they felt that they had that. And certainly this will be something that, you know, we talk about with Darren before the game on Thursday. Um, but just having been around Northern Kentucky as much as I have over the last, you know, I don't know how many years, nine years, um, they they just have this mentality of expecting to win the Horizon League. And it's, it is, I think, one of the reasons. I mean, obviously, you have to have good coaching, which they do. I mean, Darren is one of the best mid-major coaches in the country. You have to have facilities and the investment, which they have. And you have to have the players, which they have had over the years, right? I mean, starting back with Drew McDonald and what he was able I to do. I knew you were going to say his name. I knew well, it. Well, but but he's, I think, one of the pillars of the Absolutely. last 10 years in the Absolutely. I mean, yeah. You're going to talk about the last 10 years in the Horizon League. He's on the Mount Rushmore. I mean, he he has to be. But but it starts with a guy like that, right? And it and it it carries over. Um, and I think Warwick is that guy now for them. But when you look at what they have built, it is a it is a culture. It is a you know if we lose a guy, next guy's up, and next guy goes in, and next guy has to contribute. And I think that when when you play for Northern Kentucky, it is just expected that you are going to give everything on both ends of the floor to win games. So on the one hand, I'm not surprised. But on the other hand, you know, sometimes a major injury can really cripple a team. And and obviously, um, Vincent's injury is not, and and it's to the credit of that program. Jordan, real quick, uh, I don't want to go on too far of a tangent here, but you mentioned you're a baseball guy. Um, (laughs) When did you find out that you were going to have a different analyst this year because your usual friend, Mark Adams, took a head coaching job in, in college baseball. When did that happen for you? Well, he, he's still doing games though. So, Oh, is he? Okay. Oh, that's yeah. right. Just not with her. We haven't seen him with the horizon. They get those. I haven't seen him with the horizon, but I'm doing a game with Mark next weekend. So, uh, and then I, I just love that story. Like, yeah, hey, I'm going to call, call baseball, but I'm also working or call basketball, but I'm working in baseball. Well, I mean, he's a former basketball coach, but his son uh, plays for Miami university, Middletown. And uh, I think they were looking for a coach and, just talking to Mark. He's having a blast. He loves it. And love it. You know, he, he's a great dude and a good friend. And, you know, he loves the horizon league. He really does. I mean, even though, you know, he's not doing the league full time anymore. Uh, he, he is a true horizon league fan. Well, we're, we're lucky to have both of you. Like I said, I didn't want to go on too far of a tangent, but when you mentioned baseball, <laughs> I had to at least bring it up. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and David Padgett, too. Let's not forget David Padgett. Oh, absolutely. He's done David, great. David is, I love working with David. David and I are good friends. He is excellent. Uh, he is insightful. He really cares about the league. I mean, we've been doing this now, I don't know, four or five years, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, David's, you know, David's as good as it gets. So uh, I think we're really lucky. Um, you know, I'm really lucky to get to work with him. And I think that uh, if you're a fan of the league, um, you can learn a lot from listening to him every week. So uh, he's good people. And, and this is Matt saying this, not Jordan. Just want to make that clear. I think as we are lucky as a league to have people that care about the league calling the games now, where that might not have been the case only a few years ago. So, again, Matt's saying that we're very lucky to have people like you, Jordan, who is willing to come on, talk about it, and clearly paying attention to the league. So thanks for what you all do. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Very, very That's very nice. I mean, it's true. Listen, it's, you know, I when I, I started doing this league, in 2009, uh, and I've been doing it for ESPN since 2015. Uh, so, you know, it has been a big part of my professional life. And, you know, it has become sort of, uh, you know, these these games are like family reunions for me, um, getting to see everybody every year and the coaches and the players and, um, you know, the people with the league and people like yourselves who I get to see it. Uh, you know, the tournament last year and, and at different venues uh, while we're traveling throughout it. So it's uh, I love it. I mean, I really do. And uh, glad to be a part of it again. Well, back in 2009, when you started, Detroit Mercy was a was a very thriving, great program. But right now they're struggling. Ooh, are they struggling? Like, what, what are you what are you seeing? Like, t- talk to us a little bit about what you're, what you're seeing from Detroit Mercy right now, because well, they're on I mean, the they're on the opposite end of the spectrum. We talked about some of the teams at the top. They're at the bottom. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? I mean, listen, they obviously when Antoine left, you just I mean, I didn't know how it was going to work, who was going to fill. You can't replace Antoine Davis. I mean, he's the second leading scorer in, in yeah. basketball history. And so the idea that they were ever going to replace a player like that, you know, at Detroit Mercy, let's be honest, it was not going to happen. So how do you then fill in the gaps? And, you know, I think that that sort of the blessing and the curse when you have a player as gifted and as talented and as incredible as Davis is, is that the team was so much about him for the last five years that when he leaves, everyone is in a different role. And then with the portal and the way rosters change, your roster is different. And so you have guys that are going from maybe playing 12 minutes a game and not even having to think about scoring to, Oh, well you're here. So you got to step it up. And Obviously, this has snowballed on them. I mean, you could say anything you want, but I don't think any of us expected 0-20 or to be at, at the the level of utility that they've been at for the year. I feel bad for Mike, who is, is such a nice guy, and I've really enjoyed covering and working with over the years. And I know a lot of people at Detroit Mercy from the years of covering them, and I just I feel terrible for them because, I mean, listen, it's not good for the league when things like this happen. And you you just want them to be able to crawl out of the, the, the hole that they're in right now. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, this season is is not going to finish well for them. But, you know, my hope is that when they get to the offseason, you know, they can really make some key additions in the portal or elsewhere to to try to bolster this thing. Because you guys know Detroit Mercy does have a pretty impressive basketball history and a pretty proud mm-hmm. basketball history. And so... It just is weird to see this program where it is 
And uh, it, it certainly is, you know, you never want a league that you care about to have a team go like go, go through a season like this because it really affects the ratings and the numbers and all that. I mean, I'm astounded personally by the, I mean, it's weird that this program is having, it's weird that this coach is having that problem because we're talking about Mike Davis here. Yeah. You know, we're talking about a guy who's been to a Final Four as a head coach, a guy who's been to multiple NCAA tournaments with, what, three different schools? And this year has been, yeah. Um, now, now, Jordan, you, you know I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, and you know that, you know, the seasons of futility the Browns have had over the past few years. Um, you may also be familiar with the 0-16 parade that happened outside of Cleveland Browns Stadium. <laughs> I, I, as as much as I, I don't know, I feel like I, yeah, that that's what it feels like right now. It's like, how does this? It 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 defies explanation. It well, ju- I mean, it just I, does. when it when it snowballs, it snowballs. I mean, yeah. what I mean by that is like once you get to a point where you're losing a bunch of games in a row, it's hard, and it's hard mentally to get up for the next game. It's and I'm not saying that they aren't. I'm not making any comment about the effort. I'm just saying. From a human standpoint, you start to feel defeated, right? I mean, when you can't mm-hmm. get out of the rut and you can't find a way to win. And, you know, recently they've had a couple of games that they almost won and still didn't. It's yeah. just, gosh, what can we do? We can't do anything. We can't we can't fix it. And so it is, um, I just, like I said, I just feel bad. It's, it's not in any way, shape, or form uh, something that, we want to see, you know, if you're a fan of the league. And I think that, you know, obviously there's going to have to be a lot of evaluation that goes on in the offseason about, you know, what they need to do to, to kickstart it. But the one thing that I would say is that there's there are uh, benefits of the portal era and there are uh, things in the portal era that I think are real challenges. One of the real benefits of the portal era is that you can turn your team around in one year. If you do well in the portal, you can fix what ails you very quickly. Now, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough because, you know, if they finish with only a win or two, it's going to be tough to do it. But look at Green Bay. I mean, if mm-hmm. there's ever been an example, you know, and I'm not saying that there's going to be a co- I don't know anything about a coaching change. I'm just saying Green Bay changed coaches. They turned the season. I mean, they're they're a team that may actually now win this league. I mean, early on, I was like, you know, Noah Reynolds is great, but are they, you know, we have to see. And I think halfway into the schedule, we're seeing that this team is, is legit and they could win this conference and to be seven and three to the first 10. I mean, Sonny Wicks has done an unreal job. So I think that they are proof positive, right? That if you make the right, changes with regard to your program in one year you can fix it pretty quickly the funny thing about sunny is it and the funny thing about green bay and this is uh, to your point um i guess i because all of us kind of tempered our expectations in spite of the if anybody has anybody who's talked to sunny wicks over the course of the entire offseason you knew he was ready for this, and I guess maybe we underestimated it a little bit, but no, not anymore. Well, he he is, you know, I I got to meet him at Media Day. Um, you know, we haven't obviously had a Green Bay game on the schedule, so I haven't had a game of theirs yet. But obviously, I've watched 
uh, plenty of the games that they've played in. When I met him, guys, and I don't know if you've had a chance to meet him yet, he is like a lightning bolt. I mean, we did the we most had him on, energetic um, early on. Okay, yeah, I mean, he is as, incredible. As, I mean, yeah, just yeah. you want to run through a wall for that guy, don't you? I mean, he yes. is. He and is, we don't even play for him. I know. I when I first met him, I was like, dude, like, do you want me to do laps? Like, what, what, what do you, <laughs> what do you need? I, I'm here. I'm ready. Uh, and, but I think that they needed that kind of jolt. Um, and it has put Green Bay back into the position that they were in. I mean, it wasn't long ago that Green Bay was usually within the top, you know, four yeah. to five teams in this league. And here they are again. I think he's done an amazing yeah. job. And again, it shows that, you know, if you can change the mix a little bit, and again, I'm not saying anything about making changes from a coaching or administrative sure. level. I'm just saying if you go into the portal and you find the right guys, you know, you can turn things around real fast. Absolutely. Um, of course, they, 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 and they were on a roll right until they got to Northern Kentucky. <laughs> well, again, Northern Kentucky, as we just talked about, you know, they, they made their own adjustments and ha- have made their, ha- have made their statement early on as well. So um, the, for, for Detroit Mercy, they did, they, the, the one game you did refer to that they almost, they almost did win. And they, they, I really thought they were going to win is the game at Robert Morris. Yep. Um, and if not for just TJ Wainwright playing out of his mind, well, not just him, uh, Marquise Hastings, 17 out of 17 for three free throws, a guy who usually shoots 63% hit all 17 of them in that game. Um, and, we talked a little bit about the Detroit Mercy side, but that Robert Morris side, I think this weekend particularly beat, uh, you know, beating Detroit Mercy and then beating IUPUI, another, for some reason for Robert Morris has been a trap game the last two seasons, um, has them back, not necessarily at 500, but kind of a lot further away from, you know, the bottom than, than they were. Um, and that's another situation where we had, uh, you mentioned the transfer portal and we always have some, uh, it's always an issue of adjustments. And it seems to me that Robert Morris has had a little bit more growing pains in that area, um, specifically this year. I think that, I think Bob, what, what I would say is Robert Morris, when they came into the league, uh, came in, you know, with Purdue Fort Wayne at that weird time, yeah. COVID. And I think one of the biggest, first of all, that was an adjustment. Second of sure. all, and Andy Toole has talked about this, you know, they needed to get bigger. I think that one thing that he realized over the last couple of years is that they needed more size, that mm-hmm. they needed more physicality, that they didn't have you know, the, it, there's different ways to win in every conference, right? And so sure. in the Northeast Conference, there was a certain formula which worked for Robert Morris, and they were obviously one of the premier teams in that league. When they came to the Horizon League, they had to change a little bit stylistically. Sometimes you can do that right away. Other times mm-hmm. it takes a couple of years to sort of figure that out. And the fact that they're four and five in the league now, I mean, I know that they're near the bottom of the standings, but, you know, everyone's kind of clogged up in the middle. Yeah. Um, with respect, you know, obviously IUPUI and IUPUI and Detroit Mercy are at the bottom, and you know you got Oakland and Green Bay at the top, but everybody else is within a game or two of each other. Um, sure. So the point is, Robert Morris has done enough. Now 
they've they've gotten a couple of you know squeaker games that they've been able to barely get through, but they're still winning them, and they've won three in a row, and they're starting to make some progress. So I think, and and I also think when you go there, because they're sort of the the eastern end of the footprint of the Horizon League, I think sometimes you know teams go in there and they don't have their best game uh, in that in that environment in that building after that travel. So there there are things that and you know Andy Tool has had a great career as a coach so I, I really think he's uh sure. ex- so it's just taken them a little while but it seems like um even though it hasn't been like a huge step they are incrementally getting better and better in this league and I'm actually I'm pretty interested to see how the next 10 games go for them because they sort of feel like one of those teams that could sneak into the top 5 um if they can have a couple of breaks go their way and that would be a big step forward for that program in this league. So you've talked a lot about, you know, how teams have approached the, the portal because we can't avoid the transfer portal this, you know, in this day and age. Like that's just such a part of it. Uh, one team who kind of has approached it a little different, I think, is Oakland, who's now at the top of the Horizon League, where Greg Campy has said over and over his goal was to get old. And you've never really seen that approach before, or that never heard a coach say it, but he set out to get older and all of a sudden Oakland has some depth and it seems to be paying off. Well, yes. And I also think that when you look at today's college basketball, because of the COVID year, there's a lot of guys that are still playing who are 24, 25 years old, which was not the case in the past. So to your point, Matt, you know, I think that one of the things that has sort of made coaches go a lot of different directions from a philosophical standpoint is because of the COVID year and because so many of these guys are now playing college basketball or in college basketball for five or six years as opposed to four, the the value of a freshman right now today, and that will change once these COVID years are all gone, the value of a freshman today may not be as great as it was a few years ago because you can't really expect an 18-year-old kid to go out there and dominate 24-year-olds on the mid-major level, right? You might be able to expect that in Kentucky, but you can't really expect that at the mid-major level because, you know, these older guys are physically just more mature and have been in it longer and are going to be better. And so if you can find a kid that is 21 and you already know what he is and you, you think your system can make him better, there's immense value in that. So I think can't be... You know, you guys know I've known Campy a long time now covering the league and covering Oakland as much as I have. And he is wonderful and obviously has had a brilliant career and is a brilliant coach. And he's adjusted to this just like everybody else. And so, you know, what what they've done and I've gotten to watch Oakland a lot. You know, Matt, you know, Oakland, obviously, extremely well. I think the way that he's changed this team and really sold this year's team is this defensive minded defense first team has worked. It has worked from an identity standpoint for them. They obviously have more depth than they did in the last couple of years. And having a player like Trey, it's a little different than in some of the previous years where they were this firepower offensive team with with a point guard that could get 10 or 11 assists tonight and shoot 10 threes, right? They they look different than they have really in the, the Greg Campy Oakland Horizon League era. Um, and it's working. Because, you know, they're obviously atop the league right now. They played a heck of a non-conference schedule and got, you know, the, the Xavier win and, and, and have 
challenge themselves. And they've been a fun story. I mean, I think, I think that the way that they're built could allow them to win the league finally this year. Because I think that one thing that we've seen in the Horizon League tournament in particular, and I think it's why Northern Kentucky has been the most successful team in this conference over the last five years, is that ultimately when you get to Indianapolis in March, you have to be able to defend enough. Northern Kentucky always defends enough. The other teams in the league, it depends on the year. But if Oakland can defend at that level into March, this might be the year that Campy takes them back to the tournament and for the first time in the Horizon League. I mean, they say defense travels, so that you know, that makes sense. And the other thing is um, with Oakland that I'm seeing, you know, as the, as an Oakland person, um, they're not relying on the three to the same level. You know, that no. Chris, the the evolution of Chris Conway over the past few years is is incredible. They've added Buru down down low again, getting older. You know, where you have a an adult man playing down there, you know, Gabe Dines is seven foot three at Youngstown, but he, but he's young, you know, versus Buru, who's, you know, a junior college, 20 or 20 something, like you, yeah. you see that difference. And when you're not relying on the three, it opens up the three, I think. Yeah. I mean, look, listen, look at Wright state. I mean, Wright state is one of the literal best offensive teams in America mm-hmm. because they have struggled on defense, you know, they're going to have to score 100 every game in the Horizon League tournament to win the league again, even though they pound for pound off on, in their starting five may be the most talented team. You could make that argument. But Absolutely. because they have struggled as much as they have from a defensive standpoint right now today, now it could change because we're almost halfway through the, the conference schedule. But today... You know, they would be the ones to tell you that they have to be better defensively or it's going to be hard to win the league. You know, they're they're when they're clicking offensively, they can just absolutely destroy you. They are as brilliant an offensive team as you will find in America. And the numbers prove it. I mean, they, you know, for most of the last few weeks have been in the top five in field goal percentage, effective field goal percentage points per game. I mean, across the board, they are an incredible offensive team. But we have seen incredible offensive teams, particularly in this league, over the you know 15 years I've been covering it. And those teams often are not the ones that cut down the nets at the end of the Horizon League tournament. Because when you get into a tournament setting and teams start clamping down and every possession counts and they start turning you over, you've got to be able to get stops. And, you know, I think that the way Oakland is doing it this year, um, you know, and maybe that is because of the experience that they have and the, you know, the guys they brought in through the portal and all that it's helping. I mean, they, they are, they are looking, they're looking very, very good. I'm glad you mentioned Wright state again. And I'm also very glad you mentioned Gabe Dines. I don't know how many times we've mentioned Gabe Dines on this particular podcast, but it's a lot. Um, you are going to go. Yeah. You know, look at him uh, with the the game at Youngstown. I don't know all the days blur together. I guess that was a week and a half ago. I mean, the, the yeah. kid, oh, that, you know, the Youngstown went on a twenty to one run, and uh-huh. Gabe Dines is blocking shots and rebounding and getting to the free throw line. I mean, he was, you know, he's he was changing the game. I mean, a lot of times you talk about these big men and their potential as rim protectors, and a lot of times you you talk about it, but how many possessions did they change, right? This kid changed the game. 
he won that game for Youngstown State, in my opinion. He was well, here, here's he the frustrated the heck out of Wright State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, here's the interesting thing about the next time they meet, which, by the way, is an ESPN game. He probably won't be in the lineup because he hurt himself. Uh, I, if I under, if My understanding is he hurt his hand during the Oakland game, and um, I think Jeremy Otto during the uh, Detroit Mercy-Youngstown State game had mentioned he might be out for up to three weeks, I think. So it's not looking good that he's going to be making it to that return uh, that return game between uh, uh, Youngstown State and Wright State. Looks like that's going to hurt. I mean, listen, yeah. want, I, I think that it, the the weird thing with him is they weren't relying on him for a ton of minutes a game, so it's not as if they can't win without him. But you want him in there because sure he is. I think a really interesting piece. And he really frustrated Wright State. So sure. I don't, I you know, do I think it's going to derail Youngstown State to not have him in there? I don't know that I'd go so far as to say that, but it's obviously a guy that I know Jared Calhoun wants in the lineup because, you know, just talking to him a couple of weeks ago and throughout the year, I know that he's a guy that, that Youngstown State really feels uh, excited about. And, you, and I think we saw why. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if it will. Um, uh, mostly because, and, and Jared Calhoun has mentioned it, not just to you, but me as well, how deep this Youngstown State team is. Yeah. And the good news for Youngstown State is uh, you're, you don't have a one seven-footer, but fortunately you have another seven-footer uh, on the bench in Emmanuel Zorkval who yep. got, uh, who was, who seemed to be uh Seemed to be easing into his game during the uh, Detroit Mercy game because he did pretty well during that time. Now, and of course, they have DJ Burns, who has been, who has been phenomenal. I mean, that is an energy guy if I ever did see one. In He's DJ ticker. Burns, he doesn't stop bouncing. I love it. Yeah, he's oh, ticker. He he. Uh, I saw DJ when he was at Murray State last year, and so when he ended up with Jared at Youngstown, I was like, ooh, this is. This is what they need. And, and look at, you know, we're talking about these offensive versus defensive-minded teams. Is there a better yeah. example than Youngstown State in terms of changing what they were to try to win the league, right? Last year, they won the regular season title. I know David and I talked about it on the air that as good as Youngstown State was offensively last year, and they were one of the best teams in the country, we said, are they going to be able to go into a tighter postseason matchup and survive against a defensive-minded team? And the answer was that they came up short, right? They they ended up losing to Cleveland State, which, you know, under Daniel Robinson, is a team that can, you know, really— Actually, uh, actually Cleveland State beat Milwaukee. Sorry, the no, they, they lost— uh, They lost uh, even Northern Kentucky, which we talked Kentucky, about being Northern defense. Yeah. Well, okay, I, I can't remember these things, but— the point is the same that they were playing a defensive team that that they struggled against. So the point, my, I guess, my point is that that when you look at what Youngstown has done this year, they addressed being better defensively. It started with DJ Burns bringing yeah. a kid in like that who is, like you said, Matt, that energy player um, who's out there, who's bouncy, who's going to get on you defensively, who's going to rebound, who's going to set the tone for you on that end. You've got two seven-footers, like you mentioned, Bob, and Zorg Ball and Dines. You know, they are a different team. They're not as reliant as they were on shooting 
at a high percentage and just overwhelming you. And, you know, Youngstown, if they win the league this year, it will be interesting because the turnaround that they've had over the last few years has been really amazing to watch. But the fact that they could be two very different teams over the last two years and potentially win the conference in two different ways would be fascinating to see. Absolutely. Matt, did you have anything else? No, I mean, I, I just, I love these conversations, Jordan, because you, you you come prepared. You you so know this league, and it's just nice to to have that representation and to have these these conversations with, with people that that make that difference. It, it's just, it's really a treat for, for us, I think. Well, it's very kind of you. I mean, listen, I, I really do love the league. I really do love uh, watching it and covering it. And even though I, I might forget who, which two teams are playing uh, from a year ago, uh, I, it's because I have seen so many. You've seen like, so I, much. Like games over you, the years. You could be forgiven for that. Yeah. But you know, it's, I it's mean, really, I, I, when people ask me about it, it, it has, been such a uh, rewarding professional journey to cover all these teams in this league for as long as I have. And like I said, the people I've met and um, the, you know, the, the experiences that I've had um, are, I cherish it. I, I truly do. And, and now that I've been in it long enough to really get to know these coaches um, the way that I have and the players and, and people like you guys who I get to see around the league. Um, it just makes it more fun, right? I mean, it's when when you when you do games on the network level. Sometimes it, you feel like you're sort of parachuting into a place. You do a game, then you leave, and you're never to be heard from again. But the fact that sure. that we get to see this league every year, um, it makes it special. And and you know, we truly care about it. And uh, you know, what I've always said to people is. If someday I'm not on this league, I'm not going to stop following what happens. You know, I'm still the kind of person that it's been so much a part of my college basketball experience. I'm still going to be checking the scores. So, sure. um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun and I, and I appreciate the kind words. All right, Jordan, here's my last question for you then. I, I need you to put, put, you know, think about, think, you know, I, I, I you're going to be a, a predictor. This is not Jordan's rooting for, but put yourself in Indiana. It's men's championship night, 7 p.m. It's going to be on ESPN, maybe ESPN too. We'll find out. Which two teams do you think you're calling that night? Oh, God, I don't know. That's a bad. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's, it's not that I'm not trying to cop out, but how many years have we watched this where like the 10 or the 11 seed got to the got to the end? Right. Absolutely. Like remember when yeah. Milwaukee was it under Jeter or Laval? I can't remember uh, when they were the 10 seed and they won three games or when. I mean, Matt. Pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that was uh, might have been Jeter. Might have that Jeter? Jeter? Was it, okay. was it 2014? Then, I think. I don't. Yeah, something so. like that. You guys would remember better than me, or the or the year then that uh, Jordan Kaufman had the layup when uh, Cameron Morse uh, passed out of the, the half court trap to beat Oakland when Oakland was like top 25 good, um, and Youngstown State got the upset. So yeah. I, I bring this up to stay with this guy. It's all it had to be Brock. Stay with your man. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Right. I, I remember. <laughs> uh, and it, 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 this was not to make Matt hate me at the end of the. Podcast. No, no, no. Uh, but it, it's just to say that this tournament is crazy. And, you know, we've said it on the air because sometimes I get sensitive when people say like, well, the league is wide open. That's usually media code for, I don't follow it. And I have no idea. Right. Like 
I, I, I think a lot of times that's like one of those cop-out phrases. I think this year it's, I think we're starting to see it's not as wide open as maybe it looked like early on. I mean, I think that there are certain teams that it would surprise me a lot more than others if they got to the end. But I yeah. still feel like there's probably six teams that I could yeah. see getting to that final game. And so it's their horizon league. There's always six teams that can make it to the end. Yeah, it's been like yeah. that for the last few years. You're not well, wrong in that estimation. Yeah, I mean, I think there have been years where it may have been more open. I mean, even last year, you might have said maybe there were there were seven or eight, but but I do feel like um, from what I've seen, things are starting to normalize a little bit, uh, and I think that you know it could be any of six teams. So it's yeah. it's hard to predict. I mean, honestly, just. Throw the names in a in a hat and pull out two, and those would be good predictions. Love it. Now I I know you're you're not into making predictions, and I know, but would wouldn't it be nice to have even in the final four in Indy to have Sonny Wicks and Greg Campy there? I know I'm not I, I I'm not necessarily rooting for their teams, but I really want those two there, especially during the post game. Those two okay. guys, just those two guys. Well, I mean, if we're going for post game media entertainment. <laughs> And yes, those two are great, are great choices. Uh, Jared Calhoun would be a great choice there. Uh, Scott Nagy is a great choice when you get when he gets worked up because uh, he can be, uh, you know, the intensity coming out of him uh, can be entertaining for, for media. But I mean, listen, I think if I had every coach in the room uh, yeah. and I said this comment, they would all agree that that, that the league leader in in post game entertainment is Greg Campy and there's no question and and I have never actually sat in a post game with him ever oh. Matt has I have not it's he is I I've told him many times his uh, the the interviews he does with Neil uh, before and after the games or his post game media are a thing of beauty it's even better when he's got some younger cutting their teeth person doing the halftime or whatever and. You, you just see the look on his face, and you you think to yourself, "That poor person just but, doing their job and learning." And yes, so great. yes, but Matt, he at least gives an answer. He doesn't oh, go yeah. Popovich and like blow you off. He will at least give an answer. Always so, love that man. He's the best. Absolutely, yes. And see, that's what see that's why I have to pull for Oakland to get to at least get to Indy because I will be there, and I need to at least. Be in the room when he is there have, answering questions. I have to have that happen at some point. If that doesn't happen, I'm going to have to run my butt up to the arena at some point. I'm warning all of you that might happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Jordan, thank you again, as always, for joining us. Um, love the insight. Love the fact that you always come on. Um, we're definitely going to see you in the next couple weeks. Uh, first with... Uh, First calling the Northern Kentucky Purdue Fort Wayne game, and then the week after you're going to be calling the return game for uh, Wright State and, and Youngstown State. So um, always a pleasure to have you. It's my pleasure to join. I will come on anytime, and uh, great talking to you guys. Thank you, Jordan. Right, great. And that's actually going to wrap it up for us too. So uh, next week I'm sure we'll have plenty of other stuff to say. But uh, until then, HorizonRoundtable.com is where you can pull us up for uh, all our content, all of our uh, podcast episodes. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the, cl- uh, beginning of the I almost say class because I like feel like I'm teaching or something. It's I'm, I'm weirdo. Um, you can pull us up wherever podcasts are available. You can pull us up on your Amazon or Google devices. So until next week, uh, thank you all for listening. <laughs>